Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise! This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast in this 2022-2023 Missouri Valley Conference season. On today's episode, it is still preseason time where we're going to cover the Murray State Racers, the University of Illinois Chicago Flames, and the Southern Illinois Salukis. But before we get to that, how are we doing today, Baker? We're doing great because we're at the end. We're at the end of the uh, the twelve team preview. Uh, it's a lot of fun to put these together, Vance, and really dive into each team, especially because it's kind of like Christmas. We're opening a new team, uh, especially with all the transfers. But it's definitely a haul, especially with the extra couple of teams this year. But we're finally at the end, and um, you know, looking forward to uh, some fun previews of the racers, the Salukis, and the Flames. Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe a quick aside, you know, we do a little banter and, you know, since it is still the off season, we're doing some preseason picks. I got to do something um, kind of cool just as a fan uh, of SIU. And I thought that this was a good time to kind of kind of share that is um, as there's a lot of listeners out there and just a lot of Missouri Valley fans that support their teams, not just in season uh, by going to games and rooting for them and tweeting about them and all that good stuff. But there's other opportunities to kind of get involved and participate with the teams on the off season. And so I had the chance Baker to go down to Carbondale and I played in the SIU basketball, like golf scramble. Nice. And, you know, it was, it was awesome. You know, uh, coach Mullins does kind of a kickoff dinner the night before, which I did not participate in. I just only played um, in the, in the golf outing, but it's pretty cool just being around all the guys being around coach Mullins, just seeing them off the court um, for lack of a better term in like a more casual setting. You know, I just, kind of share that that was a fun experience and you know for all the valley fans out there all of your schools have um events like this and so it's just a cool way to get involved to support your team you know both from your attendance but then monetarily um and so i you know i highly recommend some of these events and getting involved because it just gives you uh, a different appreciation for you know the coaches and the student athletes and you know how involved they are with the fans and it, it's just it's just a good experience. So if your schools, um, you know, have those type of events, you know, go do it. It's it's a fun time. So I asked the question: How'd you shoot? Um, we did uh, pretty decent. There were some really good golfers out there. Uh, we were fifteen under, um, so that was pretty. That good. is really I th- good. I think the winner was like twenty under. So um, we were in the. I think we were in the midway point of all the teams. So it was it was an awesome time. Awesome. Yeah, no, we, you know, we, we met and kind of going back to when we were at media day, we met some of the Southern Illinois guys and got to talk to them a little bit extra as well. Um, Really down to earth guys. And it was kind of a, wow. I bet, I I bet that, you know, your excitement that you have going into the season is already high enough. I'm sure that, you know, spending time with them here as well, has just kind of increased it as well and turned it up a notch. Absolutely. But Hey, let's get into some of these previews. Sounds good. All right, Valley fans, kicking off this preview episode, we are going to cover the Murray State Racers, uh, a new addition to the Missouri Valley Conference out of Murray, Kentucky. They play in the CFSB Center um, that holds just over 8,000 people in Murray, Kentucky. Um, They are led by 
head coach Steve Prome in his first season uh, with the Racers, kind of. Um, last year, he took a year off and did some media um, work. And then prior to that, he was at Iowa State. And then his job before Iowa State, uh, he spent four seasons at Murray State. So this is his second go around um, at the head of the Murray State Racers. Uh, last season in the Ohio Valley Conference, they were 31-3. and They were 18-0, and perfect in Ohio Valley Conference regular season play. They obviously won the Ohio Valley, the Ohio Valley Conference, and they were a NCAA tournament uh, participant and in the second round. Baker, let's go through a little bit of their season, and then let's, let's look at what's ahead for the racers. What a bummer last year ended ended up being because by the time we hit the NCAA tournament, we were on fully on embracing them as part of the league, and we were excited going into got that game against St. Peter's, and they lost, and that was such a bummer. So that's the first thing I think of with Murray State uh, letting me down right away. But, um, no, last year, I mean, it was a credible season for them. They were ranked pretty much the whole year. They were always in the mix in the national conversation as well. Uh, quite a good team last year uh that they had and uh kind of moving things over to this season um but they're going to lose quite a bit off that team that that was really good last year um now a lot a lot of valley fans out there are not going to know some of these names necessarily because they're not following uh, uh as in the ohio valley but um kj williams tevin brown justice hill a lot of these Carter collins jordan skipper brown a lot of really good contributors from last year's really good murray state team are gone um, you know, whether they went to LSU, uh, you know, Tevin Brown, who went professional, this is, uh, they're losing quite a bit on this roster. So, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of change. They were, uh, I mean, they had Matt McMahon, who was the coach of the year, KJ Williams, player of the year, who was first team, all OVC, Tevin Brown, all OVC first team, Justice Hill, all in first team OVC, by the way, I don't know if you knew this OVC's first team is like 10 guys, which I think is really weird. Um, but that's just an aside, Vance. I don't know if you saw that or not, but I did, and I was like, wow. Um, but moving on, looking at the roster this year, similar to Missouri State, they kind of flipped the page. Um, not a lot of uh, a lot of returning. They do have DJ Burns coming back, uh, junior, who was five and a half points a game last year for them. Um, but it's a really, really transfer-heavy team, Vance. Um, I know a lot of uh, some of the Belmont fans listening to the show right now are going to remember Jacoby Ford, a guy who was six and a half points for them last year at Belmont. He is coming over um, to be one of the guards, I think, who is probably going to be in line to start for this team. Um, another guy that we actually uh, we met him at Media Day, who was uh, who was a really impressive score, fifteen and a half point or fifteen point nine points, excuse me, at Stetson. That's Rob Perry. Rob Perry, a big guy who. Um, not a big guy. I guess he's 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 gonna probably guard six four, but he plays a little bit bigger than than I think uh, most six four guys will play. Um, he's gonna be a really interesting player. And another guy, Kenny White Jr. Uh, out of Tennessee Tech, another guy who's coming from an Ohio Valley school, coming over to Murray State to join the Missouri Valley Conference. He was over ten points a game. Um, so those are some of the guys that I think are interesting to watch out for. The one guy that I think uh, even Murray State fans not about uh, Jamari Smith is going to be a guy that's a 6'8 forward. Wonder if he can take over as that man in the middle on the starting five for them. Uh, kid out of uh, – he was playing at Queens. Um, he's a big man that can shoot. He was a stud, absolute stud in the D2 level. 
uh, almost 18 points a game and over seven rebounds a game. Um, he's a stat machine at the D2 level. Wonder if that'll trans- translate over here at Murray State in Missouri Valley. But um, a lot of guys to be excited about, Vince. This is not a team that flipped their roster that's just coming back with uh, what we could. Uh, Steve Prohm did a really good job putting together a roster. I think he can be competitive. with. Yeah, he, uh, he can. It's going to be really interesting. You know, there, the couple storylines that you hit on is, um, you know, interesting in my mind. It's just that whole Jacoby Wood uh, coming from uh, Belmont. You know, it just – it still feels like they're a rival. And it just – in my mind, it's kind of like someone transferring from Illinois State to, to Bradley, not yeah. something that, um, you know, feels great in my uh, book there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's the first year for Murray State. I think that really for – Murray as they join Missouri Valley is what how are they going to react and, and I'm probably talking to the fan base more than anything of hey guess what you're not going to go um, 18 and 0 or I guess technically 20 and 0 in the Missouri Valley like that's just not going to happen you're used to winning significantly high double digit games in conference play like how is the mindset going to change a little bit as they join um, the Valley so that's just kind of where my head goes and, and Similarly to, to Belmont, I think we had the same conversation in their preview. Like, mm-hmm. what does it look like top to bottom when you have to be in game in and game out, um, especially with however many new faces they have, um, you know, this year? It's it, it's going to be a, um, uh, a culture shift a little bit, I think, uh, not only with a new coach, but new conference. And, and you're coming from a conference that, for lack of a better term, you dominated with Belmont. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, if you look at their last five years in the OVC, um, four out of the five years, Vance, they had at least a share of the title in the regular season, mm-hmm. at least a share. Um, so this is a team that has a that, the one thing, and I, I to anyone who thinks that Murray though is going to come into this league and start failing right away, I think that you should remember, especially with them in Belmont, like they win games. These are two mm-hmm. programs that win games. They find ways to win, and they're not going to be pushovers in their first couple of years. Um, this is not the same as us adding Loyola at all. Like, when we added Loyola and Valpo, things were really murky for both at the start. I think that the – I think the Turner – I think that their, their ascension in the Valley is going to happen much faster than your Loyola or your – Valpo but um, you're right I think it is going to be kind of a gut check for some of the fans that have those expectations so high as part of the OVC and you know they've wanted to join the Valley and then they come in with a brand new team so it's not going to probably be that smooth perfect transition that they wanted but like we said Vance this is a team that has a lot of talent on it they've got a guy who um, coach Steve Prohm who knows what he's doing he's he's I mean in his time at Murray State what is he I think he's 100, 104 and 29 in his five or his four seasons at Murray State. So, guy who's won a lot of games. So, um, it'll be a very interesting start to uh, start to their tenure as a Missouri Valley Conference team as they uh, jump into non-con. Yeah, non-con. I, I kind of like their non-con. Um, it, it's not bad. Uh, they start the season at St. Louis. Um, they go to Chattanooga. I think they've got one of the best MTEs in the Missouri Valley. Um, they start off with Texas A&M. Um, they could play Colorado or UMass. Um, you've got Loyola also in that MTE. So it's not a bad MTE um, when you think of household names um, there. And then uh, they get to get later on in their non-con, they get to play some of their uh, former uh, OVC uh, compadres. 
Yeah, this is a tough this is a tough non-conference. I, I actually like what they did. They're they're challenging themselves right away, which um you know, that's that, that's admirable for sure. Their their MTE's really good, really strong compared to the other Valley schools. It's one of the better ones. Um at St. Louis at Chattanooga going to both be tough games for them. Um they get a, they get a few games there toward the end of the non-conference I think that are going to be um they're going to be games that they can kind of get their season right. If there are a few stumbles at the front um, front end, I think that there are very four very winnable games at the end of their non-conference. But I think that really looking at this team, you're going to learn a lot from them when it comes to a Missouri Valley conference perspective games, five through seven for me is really going to tell the story for this team. Um, it's, and it's going to happen right away. They're going to play games five through seven are hosting Bradley they're going to Drake and they're going to Northern Iowa. Three really difficult games with that road trip out to Iowa included in that. It's that's going to be the stretch I think Vance where we're going to find out what kind of team Murray State's going to be and what their first year trajectory is going to be. Mm-hmm. I think you nailed it. I mean, I don't know if it is exactly what you said, but first six games, I mean, you've got Southern, then you go back to back Bradley and Drake. I mean, and then at Northern Iowa, I mean, geez, like you said, the Iowa, the Iowa swing is, yeah, who, who is this team? Yep. And we'll know it relatively quick on the first half of, um, or the first third of the, the conference season. In their last handful of years in the OVC, they have never faced a stretch like that in their regular season, ever. No. They've no. never had a trip to Iowa like that. They've never had a week ro- in the OVC, no disrespect to the OVC schools, but outside of Belmont, I don't. I don't think that there's that there's there's a team out there that's at their level. So where mm-hmm. they were having some of these road trips during the middle of the week, where they go to a Tennessee Tech, that's not anything like going to Drake in Northern Iowa and then to add Bradley in there as well. It's going to be really tough this year. Um, it's going to be an interesting season for them. I think, um, like you said, I I hope that the expectations are tempered a little bit from Murray State fans. Um, I mean, who knows? They could come in and just rock the whole league and. Um, I, I think their ceiling is top three. I think they could be that good if, if things are working right. But um, Vance, I have their over under at 11 and a half wins this season for the racers. Where are you at? Under. Under. Do they get to 500? Mm, I don't know. It's that stretch. And then do they get dis- disheartened? Mm-hmm. Um, I think 10 and 10 is probably right for them. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think that's probably about right for them. I do think that that preview that came out, I think they had them 10th in the league. I think that was nonsense. I I, mm-hmm. I don't think that they're going to be that bad or that low on the list um, because I think that they're better than the bottom four for sure. On paper, I look at this team and I don't think that there's – I think that they're probably their floor is eighth, leaning ninth, but probably eighth would be their floor. Yeah. And I think that – you know, if things are working right, they could be in the top three. But um, it'll be it'll be very interesting. But I, one question I want to pose to you before we close things out on the racers. To you, Vance, what does success look like in year one for Murray State? And what does failure look like in year one for Murray State? Like, what is that um, line for you? I think it's going to be just how they play game in and game out. Like from a success level, like in conference season, like if you go on a four game losing streak or maybe even a five game losing streak, you know, I could see that just, yep, uh, this is what happens when you move up in conferences. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. 
but I, I truly think it's going to be that consistency key. Um, and we'll figure it out early because they are going to get tested in their non-con. So mm-hmm. it's not one of those that, you know, you're waiting around for conference season to, to figure out who this Murray team is. But uh, I think that's where my head goes. Uh, so, like, from a success, I mean, top half of the league, I think that's that's success. That's like, yep, you – the um, full disclosure out there, I think the Missouri Valley is high and mighty over, like, the Ohio Valley. Like, I truly do. Like, I think that Murray's just really benefited from being in a very terrible conference for so many years. And so they've become the household name for that. And so there's a part of me that, yes, I am on a pedestal as a legacy Missouri Valley Conference fan. Like, I'm happy – I own that one. Um, but I, I think consistency is going to be the key here, Baker. Yeah, no, I think top half, um, maybe even, you know, I'm maybe even if, as long as they're, I, to me, if they're in the top eight, I think that that's a, I think that's still successful, especially with all the turnover that they have, um, to, to at least gain momentum. I just don't want to see a season where, like you said, we go through that stretch game five through seven and, you know, things go from there. Because yeah. that, that can happen, especially in your first year where you're playing up to a different level of competition. But I do like what they're doing. Um, some, of, some of the other teams in the Valley who have um, – and we're going to see this tested out in real time because some of the Valley teams who had to flip a lot of their roster uh, went with a, you know, uh, I'll just say it, an easier non-conference schedule. Murray State didn't. Murray State's yep. challenging themselves in the non-conference. And so you're going to get to see which strategy wins out in this case because this is a team who's going out there and they're not messing around. They're, you know what, we're, we're Murray State and we're going to get after them. And I, I like that and I respect that about them. And, I, um, you know, now they're 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 Valley School. So um, hopefully they uh, tear it up in uh, non-conference play. And um, as an Illinois State fan, hopefully that first conference game uh, comes up on you pretty quick. Welcome to the Valley, Murray. All right, this has been the Murray State Racers. All right, Valley fans, let's get to the second team we're co- preseason uh, team we're covering here, and also the second team joining the Missouri Valley Conference. That's the UIC Flames out of Chicago, Illinois. In head coach Luke Yaklich's third season uh, in the 21-22 campaign, they were 14-16 and 16 overall, 9-10 and 10 in Horizon League, and that was good enough for eighth place in the Horizon. Baker, take us through last year and some of their roster changes. Yeah, last year they uh, it was kind of an up-and-down year for UIC, you know, hovering around and kind of below that 500 mark most of the year. Uh, they did have a like opponent last year. They did play against Loyola Chicago, which is a team that they generally play every single year. They did lose that game by 17. And they also played uh, – they did play that overtime game earlier in the season, beating Valpo. But um, kind of a mixed bag last year for this team. They um, they did go on a nice little run toward the end of the season, winning four of their last five games. But, um, you know, they went out against uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne in the quarterfinals of their conference tournament – really close loss for them, but uh, coming into the Valley, there's uh, a lot to be excited about um, just from a geographic standpoint. We keep that Chicago market number one and first and foremost, um, but I think there's a lot of potential with this team as well, Vance. Um, it kind of gives you similar vibes to when Loyola joined the league. Uh, like I, I, I would say UIC's program and Loyola's program are probably on a similar level coming into a, coming into the Valley. Would you say that's fair? I think it's fair, and I would almost put the edge of UIC based on facilities yeah. alone. I think their facilities 
significantly better than Loyola's are even today. And we've seen, you know, what Loyola could do, what the Valley could do for Loyola and what Loyola could do for the Valley. Yeah, no doubt about it. You mentioned the, I don't know if you've mentioned it yet, but their arena, they have uh, is it, uh, the credit union. Yep. It is the credit union one arena and it holds about 8,000 people. Um, and what's really cool about that arena. And, and I'm really looking forward to go check it out and a game day experiences in their end zone areas. They've got like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, it's like their suites are on the court. Like it's yep. kind of like a bar and concessions area. And you can kind of like stand and watch the game like on the end zone, which is kind of cool. That's a different experience. I kind of think I, I've uh, one person's told me, I know they've done renovations, so I don't want to, um, if this is wrong based on the new renovations, I apologize. But you, from when you're kind of on that side view, you're kind of on top of the court too, which mm-hmm. is a very cool perspective uh, and different from a lot of other college basketball venues. But uh, super excited to have the Chicago market back in the league. Um, they do have a familiar face uh, as the head coach. Like you said, Luke Yaklich, uh is back in the Missouri Valley. Uh, those of you who do remember a few years ago, he was an assistant coach at Illinois State uh, before being an assistant at Michigan and Texas uh, as well. He is someone who knows the Valley. He is a graduate of Illinois State University. Um, he knows the Missouri Valley really well. This is his, this is kind of his home. And I think that when we talked to the players at media day advance, that was one thing we asked them was, you know, does having your coach having such familiarity with the Missouri Valley conference help you guys? And both guys said they were definitively that, yes, it absolutely makes them feel more comfortable. At, on the other side of that too, like it felt like coach Yaklich, he was almost giddy being at NBC media. For sure. Day. I mean, truly, and, and we have loved our experiences with uh, Coach Yaklich. You know, there's kind of a little bit of personal connection as well. And so, um, I mean, it is – I'm excited to have him in the Valley. And I think it's – they're not going to have the road bumps or the speed bumps that, you know, I, I don't think Belmont and Murray will either. But, like, what you would traditionally think of a new team coming into a conference because of his familiarity with it. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting team. If we look at their roster now, um, losing quite a bit, obviously, as uh, most teams are, uh, especially ones that are coming into the Valley for the first time. Uh, Franklin last year was probably their main uh, main player. Uh, he is heading to Memphis this season. They're also losing uh, Kevin Johnson, uh, Zion Griffin, uh, Jalen Warren, Michael Diggins, uh, Marcus Larson. Uh, and a handful of other guys also to graduation. So it is going to be kind of a new look flames for those of you who are familiar with the UIC program, who have seen them out there as well. Uh, but for Valley fans, this will be just completely new team as it is um, looking at their roster. Um, I'm going to butcher this name and I'm going to do the best I can. I did the best I could at media day too. Um, Philip Scoble. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I got it right. The guy in the middle six, seven, he's going to be uh He's going to be one of the guys that they're going to be really looking at to have some big minutes for them. He's coming over from Duquesne. Um, he's a guy who I think that they're really excited about as kind of that cog in the middle for UIC. Um, six seven, he's a little bit on the smaller end, so compared to a lot of the other Valley big men, so he does have his work cut out for him. But um, I know that that's someone that Luke is really excited about. I think the one guy that I've been really excited to see how he transitions to the. Uh, Missouri Valley Conference as Jace Carter, uh, a guy who was all freshman team last year in the Missouri Valley. Uh, we talked to him at media day. He seems really excited as kind of take a leadership role on this team as a sophomore. And I think he's a guy, Vance, that um, especially early on that this UIC team is going to really lean on uh, from a scoring standpoint. 
Yeah, I think, you know, just overall, and, you know, we've been asking for some grace uh, just with these new teams. This is the one team that, you know, I just think there's so much TBD to be determined um, mm -hmm. with UIC on who they are, what they're um, – how they're going to play in the Valley. You know, I do, I think they're going to be more up-tempo. Um, yeah, I do. But also, Yaklich is a defensive-minded, and we've got some really good defensive coaches in the Valley. So it's going to be interesting what style of play um, the Flames will um, will play in the Valley. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think uh, I do want to mention a couple other guys. Uh, they do have Sean Williams, who's going to be uh, another guy, uh, one of the veteran players uh, coming over from CSU Bakerfield. So he's going to have log a lot of minutes. Uh, Stephen Clay is a freshman coming in. A lot of guys are really excited about him. He's got to watch out for. He's the number six recruit in the state of Wisconsin, a three star coming in the Missouri Valley Conference this year. Trey Anderson, also another guy that's coming in as a transfer. Uh, he's kind of that true point guard come from Idaho and San Francisco. Um, and then another guy, uh, just to keep, keep in the back of your mind, um, Cameron Fens is also coming from Dubuque. He's 6'10 center. Um, he's supposedly a pretty, pretty durable guy and is going to be really good uh, for the Flames this year. So a guy that might see a lot of action on the floor, keep an eye out for him. Um, but Vance, it's going to be, uh, it's, this is going to be a challenge for them. No doubt about it. And especially, uh, hopefully for them, they can get a good start off in the non-con. I hope they do too. Um, you know, they've got a pretty decent one for, I think where their caliber is going to be at this year. Um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, they're going to play loyal at home. Um, so is that I a think schedule? Do they schedule that every year? I assume they do. I, I assume they must. Um, and then their MTE is, um, Nothing great by any means. Um, it's Fordham, Stonehill, and Holy Cross. Three winnable um, games, though. Yep, absolutely. It's a round robin, so it's not tournament style. Um, and then they've got uh, your MAC team, so they go to Green Bay, uh, Western Michigan. And then um, they round out their conference play with a test. They go to Northwestern, so they obviously still in town. But um, they're really doing kind of the, the, the Chicago jaunt. Um, I am so shocked uh, they're not playing Chicago State because I feel like everybody in the Valley plays Chicago State, but they're not. <laughs> Chicago State can't play everybody, Vance. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, you know, this is a, it's an interesting non-conference. A um, couple of games that are going to be really tough for them to win, if we're being honest, but there's a lot of winnable games on this. And I think that if you're, if you're a Flames fan, your expectation is, to, can we get out of non-conference with a winning record? I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair expectation for this team. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of games you're going to be favored in, a lot of games you won't be. So it's going to be interesting. That MTE over in New York with the three teams that they play, um, Vance, three very winnable games. And I think that that'll really start to kind of paint the picture of what we have. And especially when they play Loyola right away, a team that all Valley fans out there are familiar with. Um, playing against the Loyola Ramblers, that's going to be a, um, a tough matchup, but a home game for them. Maybe they can uh, squeak one out as well. Um, but if we look at the Valley regular season for them, I think that they're really big tests in games four through eight this year. Uh, they go to Bradley, then they host Belmont, then they go to Indiana State, and then they host Drake. Uh, four games you're going to be an underdog in. It's a stretch of games that are going to be very difficult to uh, come out of there anything but 0-4, if, if I'm being honest. But that'll really tell the story. Maybe they can steal one or two of those games, Vance, and um, they can put a few other teams on notice because I look at this team and I think of expectations for them. Can they be kind of what Evansville was in some of their some of their years where they were they played a style where maybe the record wasn't as good on paper, but 
they played a really tough style where they were really hard to beat. And maybe when teams go to Chicago, that's not a layup game, that that's a tough win to get. And they're going to be one of those teams that's going to be kind of a pain to play. Absolutely. This is not going to be one of those teams that just kind of rolls over and you can kind of. I wouldn't expect that with Yaklich either. Absolutely. And it's one of those things you're not going to circle this if you're an opposing team and say, yep, we got this one. So. Right. I think it's a, that's a great assessment, Baker. No, no doubt. Um, so a couple of final notes for UIC. Um, for them, I have their over-under at four and a half wins, Vance, um, which is obviously not very high in a 20-game season. But where do you have them at over-under four and a half? Uh, I would take the over. Okay, and, over. Yeah. Yep. So some optimism as well. Yes, I, I think I'm probably on the under on this one. Um, but it's, it's going to be right around that range. They're going to finish toward the bottom of the league, unfortunately for them, uh, just because there's so much talent that they're trying to catch up to. Yep. Um, but I think in time that this could be a diamond in the rough as well. I think we could have, I think this might've been a home run getting them yes. into the league. I think we could be looking at them in five, six years where, um, where they've really grown a program because I do believe in coach Yaklich. I mean, a guy who's been where he's been with, you know, whether it's Michigan or Texas, um, and seen success, it's it's hard to imagine that a guy like that hasn't taken a lot of those lessons that he's learned and can translate them here to the Missouri Valley, which he knows so well. Yep. Um, so I want to pose this final question for you about the UIC Flames. To you, Vance, what does success look like in the first year for them, and is there a failure scenario for you for the UIC Flames this year? Uh, no failure in my mind, unless they just start being the doormat. Um, in I think zero and twenty would be the only failure for me. Yeah, absolutely, uh, I think they're gonna, you know, hey, get get a win out of one of those top four teams in the valley. Um, just you know, to show you can, and I think that's kind of where success goes. Yeah, I think it's a lot of stay competitive. Um, you know, get, and especially in the first year, I think it's incumbent upon coach Yaklich to kind of get people excited about UIC mm-hmm. basketball because if you're a UIC fan out there listening to us maybe for the first time you should be getting excited hey this is a totally different level than the Horizon League and we're going to be you know you're going to be going on these trips to Iowa going to play in some tough games and playing the Salukis down in Carbondale every year and it's it's going to be a different experience for you fans so I'm really excited um, I personally am excited I think it's game uh, one it's game three of the non-conference schedule that my Redbirds head up to Chicago. Uh, my dad and I have already talked about trying to go up there for that game as well. Um, so I'm I, I'm nothing but excited for uh, UIC and uh, to see what their potential could be. Yep, I, I'm with you. I think with of the three teams, I'm the most excited about uh, UIC just from their facilities, their proximity, um, and I think they have a lot to offer in the Missouri Valley. No doubt about it. This has been the Illinois-Chicago Flames. All right, Valley fans, last team of this episode, and it is my Southern Illinois Salukis in Brian Mullins' fourth season as as head coach of the Southern Illinois Salukis. Uh, Last year in the 21-22 campaign, they were 16-15 overall, 9-9 in the Valley, and they finished sixth in Missouri Valley Conference play. Um, Baker, you know, what about last season and kind of your take on the Salukis? Well, you know, last season was a weird one for the Salukis where they, they had a interesting stretch in the middle of the season where they lost six of seven in the middle of conference play, but then they felt like they kind of righted the ship 
Mm -hmm. And it turned into like, it was kind of like they salvaged together a not so bad season. Is that, does that sound fair to you? I think. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to lose sight of, I mean, they had the, the four winning, four game winning streak where they beat uh, Evansville, Bradley, Indiana State, and Illinois State towards the end just to kind of get out of that Thursday conversation, which was real for a while. Um, you know, this was kind of a, I would say, I don't want to say let down, but like, I mean, we knocked off Colorado early in the mm-hmm. season. Um, that was, who was ranked at the time. And, and Colorado did end up being the team. I think the, the country thought they were, um, you know, lost, got to play Creighton and lost by two. I mean, so early on their success and then just, yeah, it wasn't the conference season, the consistency in conference season that, that you, that you would want out of this team. Yeah. Um, I think for me uh, last year, and this will get into kind of maybe look into the future. I mean, it was one of those seasons that I never felt comfortable we could have a 15 point lead with seven minutes to go. And I was like, I don't think this thing's over with. Um, we really struggled at the free throw line down the stretch. And it was just one of those, Hey, I just never felt good that we were going to win a game convincingly. And I think that is where I'm going to look to this year that we're going to, you know, write the ship on some of that um, closing out games um, is going to have to be an area of focus for the Salukis. So I'm going to take you back down memory lane a little bit. Um, and I'm not sure if you remember this. This felt to me like the turning point for your team. You had come, you were coming to Redbird Arena, uh, two, two and seven in your last nine, and you won that game. And that was one of those, one of those really big wins. I know Lance Jones had a big game that night, and it kind of felt like one of those turning point games for both our teams. And that, from that moment on, I think I started looking at Southern Illinois a little bit differently, that they weren't mm-hmm. kind of in that Thursday conversation and they were beginning to play themselves. I don't know if you remember the energy on your bench that night. That yeah. felt, I think they realized how important of a game that was for them because, quite frankly, look at what how Illinois State finished. They finished eighth. Um, that game goes the other way. Who knows if they switch spots? Maybe they yeah. maybe Southern Illinois keeps going down that direction. Illinois State has a different turn. So it kind of felt like that that turning point game for them. And um and I remember, and I remember distinctly, um, you guys had like a really big student group that yeah. came to that game as yeah. well, and they were really loud, and I hated it so bad because I just hated listening to them as a Redbird fan. But um, that felt like it for me was kind of the turning. Look into this season. Um, hopefully, the momentum that you guys can take going in this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and looking at this season, I think that uh, expectations are be high in Saluki country. Um, you know, this is. You know, we didn't have a ton of roster turnover in our core group. And so, I mean, this is Lance Jones and Damas, you know, what, uh, fourth or third and fourth years, sorry, fourth years. Um, I mean, we've got some consistency there. And I mean, it's a it's a core group that only got better in the offseason with their transfers. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll quickly run through this real fast with the departures. Uh, ben Kupet uh, graduated for Plankin and Fellowich. Uh, both get transferring to uh, Weber State and Wofford, respectively. Uh, Diavonzo and uh, Harvey leaving uh, as graduates. So you had uh, you had you did lose guys, but it didn't feel like you lost anyone of consequence. And that's Correct. different compared to a lot. To me, when it comes to losing people of consequence, the, you're the one. Because, I mean, if you look at, you know, Drake and Bradley, Bradley lost Roberts. I mean, Drake lost uh, Tank and Murphy. I mean, this is – this. you guys feel like you didn't lose anybody to consequence, which is a good thing um, going into the season. But, um, Vance, looking at your roster, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting group, and I think uh, 
I think all, all eyes point to your your two best players who are kind of that one-two punch they are going to lead you in the season. Yep, and, I mean, it starts with Marcus Damask and Lance Jones. Uh, Marcus Damask, second team all MVC last year. Lance Jones, all defensive team. I mean, they are – that's who – that's the leaders of this team. That's who, um, you know, I think everyone's going to look to to uh, for offensive production. And so just with this team, um, you know, I, I – I'm excited for what's coming around him. I mean, you got Juwan Newton transferring uh, from Evansville. Uh, you've got um, uh, Xavier Johnson uh, coming in uh, to the Salukis uh, from George Mason. You know, that's going to be the interesting piece for me is that Xavier Johnson, uh, does he come in and play or he, he comes in and can play point guard? So does that open up Lance Jones not to have to handle as much of the ball handling and Lance Jones can play the two uh, get some of his quickness, and he can slash more. It's just going to be interesting some of the offensive schemes that Coach Mullins is going to be able to to throw at teams and get more of our players back to their native positions. Because I think that's always been something. Um, not in the past, it's a downside. But you could. But there were times we 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 used Damask and Lance Jones in ways that I would say they probably um, weren't recruited for. Um, you know, I don't think um, in some of the years do we think Lance Jones is going to play as many possessions at point guard, um, you know. And so now that he's, we've got, you know, uh, what we think could be a consistent point guard in Xavier, um, that could be a good thing for the Salukis this year. Yeah, and, you know, Jawan Newton also handled the ball quite a bit for uh, for Evansville at times. So um, I think that would be another guy who can kind of uh, relieve those two as well. But um, one thing that I noticed, I'm glad you mentioned Xavier Johnson, a guy that I've I've been kind of excited to see what he does with this team. He's known as a really great defender. He's a, he's a veteran player. He's started 23 games at George Mason. And to me, it's going to be – there's going there, it's hard for me to find another, a better – defensive backcourt in the Missouri Valley Conference, if that's your your starter at the one and the two with Jones and Johnson. Um, two really good defenders uh, that are going to make things really difficult for teams. You mean a, um, a really good defensive Brian Mullins coach team? Really? I mean, <laughs> maybe that maybe that's part of it. But uh, to me, I want to bring I want to I want to pose this question for you. Um, and I know you're probably going to talk about uh, Clarence Rupert, the transfer from St. Peter's, and then also Al Ferguson, a transfer from East Central. Uh, any thoughts around those two guys um, and uh, what you know so far? I think the name you're going to look at is Clarence Rupert, who could come in and um, you know have some impactful minutes. Um, I think that that's where my head goes. Um, and I think it's some of these guys, you know, personally, uh, Baker, I just don't know a lot about. Yeah. Um, AJ Ferguson being one that I, I probably have the most question marks around. Yeah, I got a ton of minutes at um, East Central, but, you know, I don't know anything about East Central. Sure. And so, um, you know, I, I think Rupert is going to be the name that everyone looks to, uh, like you said, sophomore from uh, St. Peter's. You know, we, we haven't talked about some of the returners um, yeah. uh, uh, with um, – uh, the Saluki. So, I mean, Trent Brown, Dalton Banks, um, players that got starts last year, uh, ha handled a lot of uh, minutes. Trent Brown got, had some injury bugs uh, last year. Uh, but, you know, in the middle, um, Southern's relatively deep at the, you know, at that forward and center spot. You know, you got J.D. Mula, who started a ton of games last year um, for the Salukis, holding down the middle at 6'8". Um, also, we've got Scotty Bube. Um, who redshirted last year, but I mean, he's a 6'10 sing senior. And then, you know, I, I have to mention Cade Hornecker. He is a seven foot center, a <laughs> freshman. 
Um, you know, so if, you know, I have, I know, I don't know enough about our depth and just like how redshirting could work, but I mean, this is, I know the tallest Saluki team I've ever seen, um, that could have some impact fact, impactful players. Um, last kind of guard here that I'll talk about is, is Foster's Wonders, um, also redshirted. Um, he, he was a prospect, um, you know, out of high school and I know there's a lot of excitement around him, but. Um, just due to redshirt year, um, you know, we're going to see what what they can add to this Saluki squad. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think it's a it's it's a good team. You've got a you've got a lot of returners coming back who have played some decent minutes in the past. I think for me, the question mark I have for for Salukis, I, I guess it's a twofold question. Number one, I my question is is how when you go against the big guys where, you know, you go against a team like a Bradley, who's going to be very reliant on their big guys, or, you know, maybe a Valpo, um, do you, can you match up? Do you have enough inside to match up? And then how good is your depth compared to a lot of the other teams that are deep? Because you have guys that have played, but um, is, is your depth going to be good enough as well? Because there are going to be a few games in the Valley where your starters are not, are not having the big nights. So I think that, can they can the guys that you were talking about, whether it's the you know a guy like Rupert uh, coming in, or you know maybe a Dalton Banks, Trent Brown coming off the bench, D'Amico as well, another guy. Um, can they bring bring that extra you know what to get them over the top to be able to compete for that top three? Because I think that's the difference between SIU competing in the top three. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I think you're alluding to the fact that I mean, just Marcus Damask and Lance Jones carried so much of the offensive. Um, you know, I think over fifty percent or around fifty percent of our scoring were those two guys. And so, where does it come from? I think Jawan Newton. You know, you pointed that one. That's where my head goes on who's going to fill in that void. Um, I, I think one we haven't talked about is Troy D'Amico. I mean, there were games that he got hot from three, mm-hmm. and he's that six seven that can step out and shoot the three and can come in and be an impact player. You know, I think we could get some scoring from there too. So it's a, the good news is we have bodies. Like we're deep from <laughs> a number of bodies, but like what does production look like, right. especially as we start getting some consistent rotations? Who's going to be those game in and game out players? Like we've got a lot of good lineups we can go with, but what's, what's the consistency going to look like? A lot of, a lot of experience depth. The mm-hmm. question is, is when you need them, can you get what you need out of them? Right. I think that's the best way to look at it. But Vance, take us through the non-con. Uh, some, uh, some decent names on this non-con. Um, I said this with uh, you. Uh, who did I say that with? With um, Was it Murray uh, or UIC or somebody? I said that if you're a season ticket holder, you might want some of your money back. Um, not great if you're a home <laughs> uh, Saluki fan here. Um, but we, we have a return game with Little Rock. Oh, we played them last year. Uh, Don't home. lose. Yeah, um, and so we did last year, and that was kind of yeah. um, uh, a bad start to the season. Uh, we go to Oklahoma State. I think a lot of people are really excited about that game, as they should. That's going to be a home and home, so next year they'll be coming to Carbondale. So there's a lot of excitement around there. Um, we're at Southern Indiana, um, which uh, we talked about uh, on the Indiana State preview um, a little bit. And then um, our MTE is okay. Um, I would say it is we have – who do we have? We have Tennessee State uh, at home um, as part of the MTE, but then we could play UNLV or, or and or uh, Minnesota in that MTE. So yeah. it's, it's got some, some good options there. Uh, but, yeah, it's, um, it's okay. Um, the home games are nothing – it has a lot left to be desired, but I know that we struggled 
um, to just find games uh, this year. Your your non conference at home stinks, but mm-hmm. your non conference overall pretty good. Yeah. I would say it's pretty good because you know you've got that game at St. Louis, which is going to be a really tough matchup for you guys. Um, it'll be an interesting one. I think that's a really that's a that'll be a good litmus test to know really what Southern Illinois is going to be. I think it's again game that you might need if you're going to have an idea of an at large because I think Southern Illinois is, in my opinion, looking at it on paper, I think there's three teams that can reasonably say, hey. We need to make sure to take care of business in a non-con in case we're an at-large conversation. Southern, I would say, is one of those teams. Um, so that St. Louis game might be a game that you need, that or the Oklahoma State game. I think that those are going to be two games that will circle on the calendar. Southern Illinois, we need to win one of these. Um, your MTE is not bad. I mean, UNLV is a, kind of a like opponent in a T conference that um, going into the season maybe it's just a tick better in the Valley, so it'll be a good matchup for you guys. And maybe you get a Big Ten matchup with Minnesota as well. So um, a lot to like about this schedule. Um, and then one other thing to notice before we get to the tough stretch of the Valley, your first two games that you have in conference play that are part of the non-con, pretty manageable. You're going to mm-hmm. Evansville and then you're home against Indiana State. Two games I think you should you should be favored and you should win both of those games. But to me, I think that the big stretch for you guys is going to be that game three through six. Um, coming off of the non-conference, hopefully you get right with a couple of those last four games going in. But, you know, you're going to start off with that first game of the real non or the real conference play, going to rival Murray State. Then you're going to host Belmont and Drake back-to-back. And then you're going to go back out on the road against UNI. Um, really tough four-game stretch for a team coming off of non-conference play. And, Vance, I think that that's going to be um, – if you can get past those first six games for the Salukis and you're sitting there maybe five and one, I think that's probably what – five and one, four and two at a minimum, I think that's probably what we're looking at. Yep, uh, I'm, I'm with you. If, if we're going to contend, that's what you have to do um, in that, that stretch. And so, yeah, I think uh, I, from a <laughs> – Conference games in the non-con, I think we um, it's it's two games we can just get through, right? Yep. Um, and so it's nothing that I think would would stem the tide of any type of conference season, but they're ones that you should win, and, and they're at a good time. So um, I, I'm excited about how that landed. Before I get to the over under, do you know why there's a split between the two conference games? I, I'm just curious. I actually have no idea. I, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but how? Because uh, you go to Evansville, and then there's that St. Louis road game in between the Evansville and Indiana State game. Do you know why that is? Was that just know. a weird deal with the scheduling already with the St. Louis game, or was that an Indiana State or Evansville deal? Yeah, um, Indiana State's doing the same thing. They have a split game where they have a non-con in the middle of those two. As so well. I'm guessing it's so, one of you two that yep. something something came up with the schedule. Interesting. Yep. I just noticed that, and I was like, that was kind of weird that. Most of them yeah. are kind of next to each other, but um, hey, that's all right. The next week we're going to watch a Valley game still, so that'll be fun. <laughs> um, all right, over-under win totals for the Southern Illinois Salukis. I have it's the same as Bradley. I have it 13 and a half wins. Vance, are you going over or under on your Salukis? Over. Over with the Salukis. This one's a really tough one, and I'm leaning over. Um, I, this is the – when we get to the preview – I've been going back and forth on Southern Illinois and Bradley, and Vance and I will argue that one down uh, soon. But that's uh, – I think Southern Illinois, um, to me, this is a – I think – and and you're and I, as the Southern Illinois fan, I'm going to pose the question to you. To me, this is a – we need to make the NIT at a minimum type of year. Is that yeah, fair? I think it's fair. I think a postseason appearance is, is definitely um, fair. And, and 
it's NCAA or NIT. I don't really count CBI or CIT, whatever it's called nowadays. Um, and so, it, yes, I think that that's a fair expectation. Yeah, no, I think that that I think it's NIT or, you know, at, at the very least, if you're in the CBI, you better win the damn thing. Like, yes, that, yeah. that, that's that's kind of where <laughs> I'm I'm putting it at. Um, I, where are you at with with the program in general? I mean, is this kind of um, to me, it looks like it's kind of a two year stretch here coming up for Southern Illinois where you can really build some momentum, but um, you're gonna have to win a lot of games. Where where are you at? Where's the litmus with the litmus test with the with the Southern Illinois fan base? Where are you at with that, Vance? I mean, I think we're really excited. Um, I mean, you nailed it. We have some of the least amount of roster turnover, which I think speaks volumes to Coach Brian Mullins. Um, and so that's where my head goes on this is. The, the Saluki faithful are ecstatic. Um, we're, we have a high expectations for this year, uh, but not from a pressure perspective. It's truly, I think we're excited uh, for the new faces. I think we're excited about what uh, Damascus and Jones are coming back with. And, hey, you know what? I think there's just excitement that we are back on being in the conversation at the top of the valley. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, I, I go back to some of those years you had where, about five years ago or so, you guys competed for the top, you know, three or four spots in the Valley with uh, Coach Barry Henson before Brian came in. And it never felt like you were like those years, like you felt like obviously you were top end, top half of the league team, but you never felt like, oh, this is a team that we're really can circle as a team that's going to win the league. This team is different. I actually feel like they're one of the few teams that can win this league going into the season and I, it, it gives me a is that fair to say do you feel like there's kind of like you might have finished in the rankings around the top of the league but this one actually feels like this is a team that can actually win the league going in 100 percent. does it and feel different than those years though for you and i think there yes I, it does because like i'm going into the season thinking you know we're gonna be in in every game and we're i mean the expectations higher as a fan yeah and so yes it does feel different um, it, it's almost like in prior years, I was excited to be, you know, preseason ranked where we were. Cause it's like, Oh, that's, you know, some, some credit here. But like, now I'm kind of like, I expect to be, you know, one, two or three. So for me, I would say that your floor is probably seventh finishing right in the middle of the league. Do you think that's fair? If you, if you look at this team and I know it's harder for you cause it's your team. But if you're looking at this team and things aren't going well, where do you put? Po- where do you poise this as? You know, if this if things aren't going well and it, it doesn't work out for the Salukis this year, where do you see as their floor? I mean, I, I could get there. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the teams, I just don't expect it. So I mean, five would be my my floor. Okay, no, that's I, to me. To me, the reason I say seven is it kind of feels like a it would be a quote unquote failure of a season if they were kind of in that seven range, just because it would be similar to, you know, Illinois state the year they had Yarbrough and Fane still, but they finished in seventh place in the, the, the league. It would be mm-hmm. kind of one of those years where things didn't work out to your way when it comes to tiebreakers and you lose games, you shouldn't, that would be the kind of the question I would lead into it. But no, I'm with you, Vance. I trust Brian Mullins. I actually think he's uh, I think he's a really good coach. He, listening to him talk, it really feels like he's very confident going into this season. Um, on paper, Vance, your team you should be over the moon excited about because when it comes to a roster, and especially a starting five, I, I think they've got one of the best starting fives in the entire conference. And uh, to me, I, my expectation would be to finish in that t- top two for sure. Yep, I'm with you. 
All right. This has been the Southern Illinois Salukis. All right, Valley fans, we are here with head coach Brian Mullins of the Southern Illinois Salukis here at Media Day. Hey, coach, um, so non-con just came out, conference schedule is out. In your minds, is this kind of the, the kickoff to the basketball season? Yeah, it is. It's great to be back here. It's great to be here in person. Um, you know, it's exciting. You know, college practice starts up next week for everyone. So uh, summer flew by, the start of school year is flying by, the season's gonna be here before you know it. Um, but it feels like a normal year, you know, and, and that's why I think it's energizing and refreshing, I think for all of us as coaches. Uh, and we're just excited for the season to get going. Absolutely, and so, you know, later on this month or into October, I think preseason rankings will come up after this event. And, you know, expectations I think are gonna be high for the Sookies this year, and there's a lot of excitement. You know, how do you um, kind of, get the leaders of the team and just kind of focus in on the task at hand whenever some of that noise uh, does come in uh, and the excitement in the program. Yeah, I think I'm fortunate with the type of guys we have in our program. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Marcus Lynch, Trent, guys who have been here for three years now, they understand that, you know, we haven't won a championship yet. We haven't, you know, uh, you know, been to a Sunday game down here in St. Louis. So they know we haven't accomplished what we want to accomplish. So I don't think, you know, in terms of, temper and expectations or anything like that is something we got to worry about. We got to get better every single day. You know, uh, we got an extremely hard non-conference schedule. We got to be ready to go, you know, come November. Uh, so there's a big jump we need to make in these next two months and then obviously continue to grow as the season moves forward. Yeah, we've asked uh, all the players here just uh, kind of excitement level with that non-con and everybody kind of looks at Oklahoma State. So a lot of excitement um, just around that non-conference schedule. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, a, a challenging one, definitely. It was hard for us to get home games this year. Uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of teams volunteering to come to Carbondale and play a series or anything like that. So, um, you know, I think it'll make our guys uh, be ready to go every single uh, game and then also help us for this Valley season because, you know, to play 20 games and play 10 true road games, it, it's definitely not getting any easier. And to add the type of programs that we added this year, it, it, I think, raises our profile as a league. Yep, absolutely. And so, I mean, a lot of good consistency with the Salukis this year, good core coming back. But, you know, we have some new faces yeah. that a lot of uh, Saluki fans are excited about, specifically John Newton yeah. and um, others. Maybe talk about how the team's coming together. Yeah, it's been great. You know, the summer was awesome for us. Uh, where we started the summer to where we finished the summer, we took a big jump, uh, not just on the court, but off the court. You know, we added Jawan, Xavier, Clarence, AJ, and Kate, uh, and, and JR. Um, and, and those guys have gelled in perfectly. You know, I mean, it doesn't really matter where kids come from in terms of nationally or how old they are. It just, are they the right fit for our program? You know, they believe in what we believe in. And I think all the guys that we've added do that. So um, the team's coming together. Like I said, we still got another step to take, but uh, we're excited about the new guys we added. And obviously I think guys that have been in our program, some of the younger guys with Foster registering, Scotty registering with Dalton playing two years, you know, Troy D'Amico playing, you know, good minutes as a freshman. Those guys have an opportunity to take a big jump as well. Yeah, Coach, you mentioned, we talked about Juwan Newton before, and I guess my question for you is, when you have someone transfer within the league, yeah. does it is it a difficult process to kind of build that relationship and kind of, there's going to be some habits that he had from another school in the league. Does that change things for you with how you deal with the player? Um, I don't think that, you know, with that part of it, it doesn't matter as much as if they're from the league or not from the league. I think that's just, you know, Every coach coaches teaches things a little bit different way. There's not a right way and a wrong way to teach a ball screen, or, you know, how to run this type stuff. It's just trying to get everyone on the same page doing the same thing so you can be the most connected team. I think with Jawan, you know, with him playing in this league, I think it's a benefit 
because he understands how hard this league is. I mean, he's told our guys, like, man, this thing is tough, you know, like, and he's played four years. He has experience. When he goes to Illinois State, when he goes to Valpo, when he goes to Bradley, he's going to be familiar with those arenas, and, and it's not going to be new to him. So I think that part is, is good for our group. This has been head coach of the Southern Illinois Salukis, Brian Mullins. All right, Valley fans, this has been the final preseason overview episode where we covered Murray State Racers, University of Illinois Chicago Flames, and the Southern Illinois Salukis. Um, so basically, fans, if you want to get a little preview of all of the Missouri Valley Conference teams, um, they're all ready for you. You know, I know I've, we've gotten some great feedback on these episodes that, you know, people go back and listen to them as, as maybe you're a Drake fan. And, you know, you don't know a lot about uh, Valparaiso coming to the NAP Center. You know, these are ones that you can go back to and listen to and, and skip ahead and, and check some of, you know, the teams that you're not as familiar with. And that's why we put these out there. Baker, where can people follow along in real time? And uh, just to settle on before I do, I I appreciate your great Vance and I do this. So, you know, we do we do the best we can with some of the teams that we don't know as much about. Um, I think you'll hear a few on this episode this that we just did. Um, but we do the best that we can, and hopefully, you guys enjoy at least getting kind of a, a kind of a high level preview of a lot of teams. Um, and it's to be honest with you, Vance, I'm excited. It was it was a it was a long journey to get through all 12 teams, but I'm excited that we finally hit the end of it. And the next time that you guys hear us on a podcast, we will be previewing the Missouri Valley Conference season. We are going to give you our picks 1 through 12. We're going to break down why we have them, where we are in the rankings. We're going to break down the first, second, and third teams that we both have. Um, we're going to both do our own individual teams as well as Coach of the Year, Player of the Year. Um, maybe a few hot takes here or there about the Valley uh, this season, kind of uh, recap some things as well. And uh, it should be a fun episode. So be on the lookout for that next week. And I also want to encourage you guys for that episode. We uh, we want to hear from you. We want to hear about your top tens, uh, where you have things. Maybe you want to talk about the tiers you have. Maybe you have a hot take or two, a first team, a second team, what have you. Um, we want to hear from you about everything. Um, and we might read it on the air as well. So uh, marcharchmailbag at gmail.com is where you can send those with the subject lines, uh, MVC season preview. Um Looking forward to hearing from you guys uh, about the about the Valley regular season and uh, what we have in store and what you guys think is going to happen this year, who you guys have one, two, three, whatever. Um, excited to hear from you guys, though, this season. And uh, you guys can find us on Twitter at March Arch Pod, at March Arch Baker. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, next week's big preview episode, Vance. And with that, as always, go Valley. Start talking about the Valley. Why not? <laughs>